I want to invite everyone to stand to worship with us. If you could sing us with me.
y'all believe that this morning? Oh 
nothing I've done that your grace won't cover. It's not over till you say so. You are faithful, God, you're faithful. The cross is all the confidence I need.
his crown in thorns is crowned in glory now the savior now to wash our
Good morning. How many know God is worthy of our praise this morning? In fact, can we just do that? Can we give him some praise? He's worthy. Amen. Let's give him some praise. You know, sometimes we come into church and it's like, hey, it's just something that we do. Um, it's just one of these routine things that we do out the, throughout the week. But I want you to know it is a good thing to be here today. The psalmist said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Are you truly glad to be here this morning? All right, well, some of your faces don't, uh, don't say that, so just wanted to check and make sure. But it's always good to be in God's house, to be able to share and worship, uh, to be challenged in his word. And so I'm happy to be here. As Lance mentioned, uh, they had youth camp last week. It was, so it was Lance's first go, uh, go around as a youth pastor and youth camp. And so obviously David and I need to go check things out. So we made the trip Wednesday, just a day trip over to Lone Tree um, to check, just check on the kids. And so as we're driving into the, the ranch there where Lone Tree's at, we saw a jogger running out. 
And, and my vision's not that great far out. And I thought, man, I hope that's not Lance running away already. I mean, he's not only been there three days. Uh, we got closer. It wasn't Lance. And so we, we went into the camp and uh, rounded a corner. And we're looking for some of our students because there are several churches there. And, and around this corner, there's this big cedar tree. And there comes Lance. And I almost didn't recognize him because he was covered in mud. He mentioned a, a mud pit. Had it in his beard. He was in his ears. And, and I, just this big smile uh, was across his face. And I thought, all right, he's going he's gonna to make it. We're excited. So uh, they had a great time, and we're excited to have Lance um, and Elle on board here at Youth Ministry at Living Water, and I just really look forward to God doing some amazing, amazing things. God's in the business of doing that, amen? All right, as Lance mentioned, uh, if you'll turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8, and I want to read the text first. There's 22 verses, uh, 21 verses. No, 22 verses. We're going to read those, and I'm going to pray, and then we're going to just kind of dig into uh, the word this morning. So 1 Samuel chapter 8, let's read together. As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons to be judges over Israel. Joel and Abijah, his oldest sons, held court in Beersheba. But they were not like their father, for they were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all the elders of Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. Look, they told him. You are now old, and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Samuel was displeased with the request and went to the Lord for guidance. Do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me and not you. They don't want me to be their king any longer. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually abandoned me and followed other gods. And now they are giving you the same treatment. So as they ask, or do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will reign over them. So Samuel passed on the Lord's warning to the people who were asking him for a king. This is how a king will reign over you, Samuel said. He will draft your sons and assign them to his chariots and his charioteers, making them run before his chariots. Some will be generals and captains in his army. Some will be forced to plow in his fields and harvest his crops. Some will make his weapon and chariot equipment our weapons and chariot equipment. The king will take your daughters from you and force them to cook and bake and make perfumes for him. He will take away the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own officials. He will take a tenth of your grain and your grape harvest and distribute it among his officers and attendants. He will take your male and female slaves and demand the finest of your cattle and donkeys for his own use. He will demand a tenth of your flocks and you will be his slaves. When that day comes... You will beg for relief from this king you are demanding, but then the Lord will not help you. But the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, we still want a king, they said. We want to be like the nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So Samuel repeated to the Lord what the people had said, and the Lord replied, Do as they say and give them a king. Then Samuel agreed and sent the people home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and Lord, I know that as we open your word this morning, there are some that are probably familiar with the story, some that are not, but Lord, just to remind ourselves of the lessons that can be learned throughout Scripture, no matter how old the story may be, there's always truth in your, your passages, there's always lessons to be learned. We know that your word is alive, it's active, and so Father, I pray that we would come to the table and with our, our hearts open. Uh, with our ears open to what you might want to share with us today and help us to grab a hold of a, of a truth, a lesson, uh, Lord, that we can to live by uh, today as we, we gather. Lord, I humble myself before you and I ask that you would just speak through me to your people. Lord, I know you love us all and I just want to uh, be uh, 
useful in your hands today at, at communicating your words. So, Lord, I just thank you for that. And I ask that you'd be honored in everything done and said here this morning. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, <clears throat> so you've heard the saying, possibly, that God doesn't always give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. How many of you have heard that phrase? God doesn't always give us what we want because we want a lot of things. He doesn't always give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. And that is true. There's times in my life there are things that I wanted that God didn't allow me to have, but he always gives me what I need. But there's another phrase that is also true, and it's the kind of the, 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 the central theme of this passage today, is sometimes God gives us what we want. So we should be careful what we ask for. Amen? Sometimes God gives us what we want, and because of that, we should be very careful what we ask for. So we see the children of Israel, they're in a, a transitional time. Uh, we've been looking at the life of Samuel, uh, his birth, his mom prayed for his son, God blessed her with Samuel, she dedicates him to the Lord, and then we looked at the call uh, where God called Samuel, and he is now God's spokesperson to all of Israel. And then we looked at a very tragic day in Israel where um, they just kind of became indifferent towards God. And we talked about indifference toward God can be disastrous. And then the last week, we looked at this idea of honoring God. God honors those who honor him. And Samuel leads the children of Israel back to himself first, and then they're victorious over the Philistines. And so chapter 7 closes about a 400-year uh, block of time in history known as the, the, the area of the, or the season of the Judges. So they had judges that judged and ruled them for a period of about 400 years. Samuel is the last one. And what's about to begin in history is a monarchy. The first time they would ever have a king, King Saul, King David, and King Solomon. That united kingdom would be about 120 years, and then it would be divided for another 400 years, and there would be many other kings to follow um, after that. But chapter 8 is a transitional place in the narrative of the story. And so it begins with this question uh, where the Israel, uh, elders of Israel came to Samuel and they made this request. So what we're going to look at is we're going to look at the request, we're going to look at a warning, and we're going to look at their choice. And so the request, what was it? Look back with me in verse 5. So Samuel's now old. Some people believe he's between 65 and 70 years of age. He's been ruling Israel for some time now. And so because he was old, he had appointed his sons um, to be rulers also, to be judges. And they lived about 50 miles, so, you know, as the crow flies, south and a little bit west of where Samuel would judge. But it says that they weren't like their father. They were greedy and they accepted bribes and they, they didn't walk the way their father did. And so verse 4 says the elders, finally, they go to Samuel. And here's what they say in verse 5. Look, they told him, behold, hey, we got a problem, Samuel. You are now old. Number one, nobody likes to be called old, Right? So Samuel, you're now old, and your sons are not like you. So here it is. Give us a king. We want a king. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations have. Well, naturally, Samuel probably took offense to that because he is God's spokesperson at this time. And it says Samuel was displeased with their request, and he went to the Lord for guidance. Or this thing seemed like a wicked thing to Samuel. So he goes to the Lord like, what's up with these people, Lord? They want a king. And the Lord's response is, do everything they say to you. So the Lord, and the Lord replied to him, so, for they are rejecting me and not you. So do what they say. So they request a king. So what are some of the things that go into the request? Some of the factors, if you will. First off, Samuel was old. 
And they were worried, possibly, that when Samuel died, his sons that were taking over were not going to lead the way Samuel led. And if you remember earlier in their history, they had the priest Eli and his two sons, and his two sons were wicked. So perhaps they thought, well, when Samuel dies, his sons are going to lead us astray like Eli's sons did, and that's not good. We can't have that. Secondly, they wanted something more permanent. They had been judged by judges for 400 years, like interim leaders, if you will, for 400 years. And they're just ready for something solid, something consistent. We want a king to rule over us, something more permanent. Another thing I think they wanted, and I think we struggle with from time to time, is they wanted something more tangible. And they had God that was with them, right? He's omnipresent. They had the Ark of the Covenant that represented his presence with them. That's where he met with them. And so God was with them, but they couldn't see God. And so because they wanted something more tangible, they said, hey, give us a, a king. We, we need somebody we can see. We need somebody we can honor and that can lead us into battle. And so they wanted something more tangible versus intangible. And they wanted to be like the other nations. We never struggle with that, right? We want to be like the people around us, the peer pressure. We want to be like the other nations because they have kings. And, and so they wanted to have a king that they could honor. And they wanted to have a king that would lead them into battle because a king represented strength. If you were a, a, a country and you had a king, your king represented strength of your country. And they didn't have a king, a visible king. And, and so as a result, they're like, hey, just give us a, a king. One more thing that might be important to add is on the other side of the Jordan River, on the east side, you know, whenever Joshua led the children of Israel to the promised land, two of the 12 tribes of Israel settled on the east side. Um, so it's Gad and, and Reuben that, that settled on the east side of the Jordan River. And, and so what we know from the text, if you go just forward a couple of chapters, there's a king, Nahash, who's an Ammonite. And this king is a, a wicked king, and he comes in, and he just takes over, and he gouges out the eye of every man, one of the eyes of every man living in that area. And the threat is he's going to be coming across the Jordan pretty soon. In fact, they try to make a peace deal with him. Hey, we'll be your slaves. He said, okay, on one condition, I'll gouge out the eye of every man living there. So I think they were sensing the pressure, and they were seeing things mount around them. And, and they get to a season where they're saying, hey, can you just give us a king? And I would say this, I don't think that they were wrong in asking for a king because God had prophesied even all the way back to the book of Genesis chapter 17 he told Abraham you'd have sons and kings are going to come from your descendants he told it to Sarah another generation later he told it Deuteronomy chapter 17 has references in there on the, the guidance for kings in the future you're going to ask for a king it's a prophecy about this very passage and so there's this idea that one day there's going to be a king in Israel so it wasn't a matter they were asking the wrong question but the timing was off and so they request this king of Israel from God. Now, I said, well, go. sometimes God gives us what we want, and so we should be careful what we ask for. In this case, God gives them what they want. He tells Samuel, give them what they want. There's two things I want us to notice before we look at the, the warning that he gave them. Look at his response. Samuel's displeased. And he says, do everything they say to you, the Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. Now, Samuel's probably thinking they're rejecting him as the spokesperson, but God reminds him, no, no, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. Think about that for just a second. Israel is rejecting God. Who does that? I mean, God has proven, he's demonstrated that he's a worthy king, right? They can't see him, but he's absolutely demonstrated his power and his might throughout their history. He leads the children of Israel out of Egypt when they were slaves, right? 
He provides for them in the desert with the pillar of cloud by by day, the pillar of fire by night. He gives them the manna from heaven um, to eat. Uh, To go back to the Egypt story, he, he kills all of Pharaoh's army in the middle of the Red Sea as they walked across on dry ground. They, they get to the Jordan River and Joshua leads them over and the Jordan River is at flood stage and it dries up and they walk across on dry ground. I think God's got a pretty cool track record so far as leading Israel, right? As the ruler of Israel, he's an amazing king. And God says, they rejected me. They're not rejecting you, Samuel, they're rejecting me. And the question is like, who does that? Why would you reject A king that has demonstrated over and over and over. And let me just tell you this too. All the nations around Israel, oh, they absolutely knew that there was an amazing God in Israel. That Israel's God was the one true living God. The ones that needed to know it the most were the ones that didn't seem to see it. And so they request a king. So the first thing is, who does that? I mean, to reject God and to... Um, except a, uh, I guess, a counter to God's leadership in their lives. And the second thing, I think, <clears throat> that I want us to see there in verse 7 um, is, uh, let's see, they don't want me to be their leader uh, any longer. Do everything that they say, the Lord replied, for they're rejecting me. So they reject him, and I just went blank on what the second thing was. It wasn't in my notes, so just ignore that. We didn't say that, okay? So there's the question, they say, give us a, a king. And the Lord says, give them what they're asking for. They're rejecting me, not you. So give them what they're asking for. He says, but solemnly warn them. And so now in advance, before they make the choice, he says, go ahead and tell them what their request is going to produce. And so um, in a nutshell, it's this, major oppression. You're you're asking for a king, but this is what this king is going to be like. He's going to oppress you so heavily. It's going to affect your families. It's going to affect your children, your sons and your daughters and your flocks and your your fields and your harvests, all those things. It's going to affect you heavily. This is what this king that you're requesting is going to do to you. And he finishes by saying, when that day comes, you will beg for relief from this king that you're demanding. This king that you want is not going to be good, and you're going to beg for relief from it. And in that day, he says, the Lord will not help you. And so they, they make this request for a king. They're warned of what it's going to bring. And this is the part that shocks me. It says, but the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Samuel gives them good counsel. He gives them a warning. This is what God says it's going to be like. Do you really want to do this? He says, the people refused to listen to Samuel's warning. Even so, even so, even though it's going to be oppressive, even though it's not going to be that great, even though we're trading the one true living God, the awesome God who's demonstrated over and over and over again his faithfulness, his power, and his might, even so, we want a king. We still want a king. We want to be like the other nations around us. Our king will judge us and lead us into battle. So we see a question, we see the, the warning, and then we see ultimately a choice. And here's what you and I need. Oh, I know what the other thing was. Well, it goes. So go back to that verse I said, well, I forgot. This is an important point. So what we see in here is the permissive will of God. We, we see a God who allows people to make choices. Now, I know that how I'm wired, and sometimes I wish God would just say, nope, Shane, you're an idiot. You can't figure anything out, so let me just take over. And I'm like this robot that can't sin, right? That I'm only holy all the time. That'd be kind of cool, right? But just imagine God standing around heaven and saying, look at all these people. They love me, and someone might argue to God, yeah, but they love you because you've wired them that way. They have no choice. They're like robots. How much more glory does God get in heaven when he gives his people free will? 
And he demonstrates his love to us. And when we choose in return to trust him and demonstrate our love back to him, then it brings God more and more glory in heaven. I love that. I love the fact that he gives us free will. And here it's so absolutely clear that God is permitting this that he knows is not going to be good for them. And so here's a big idea. If you don't get anything else I say today, hear this. And mom and dad, it would be great to ingrain this into the brains of your little kids, your teenagers. And don't forget yourselves, elderly. It doesn't matter because it's a truth that goes throughout all age groups. And that's this. Choices have consequences, so choose wisely. Choices have consequences, so choose wisely. I think all of us are painfully aware of that truth, aren't we? We know that there's things that we've done in life and we've made a choice and now as a result of that choice, there's a consequence that we're dealing with and we're like, yes, Shane, that's true. That's a reality. It's a reality in Israel's life as well. So they asked for a king as a, as a wicked thing to do. Even though uh, they would get a king later, they just were, their timing w- was off. They demand that this king, he warns them in advance and they choose it anyway. And I'm thinking, who does this? We, we do that. Amen. Am I the only one that struggles with that? You know, like, but, but I want it, but I want it. And he's like, yeah, but if you do this, it's going to, yeah, but I still want it. And we, we, we do that. And the reality is, is the choices that we make, there are consequences to those. And if we really knew that, if we really could just stop before we make the choice and look at it and say, all right, God, if, if there are consequences to the choices that we make, how do I choose wisely? If I'm to choose wisely, how do I do that? So let me share with you quickly three things that I believe that you and I can, um, in form of application, uh, when it comes to making wise choices in life. The first one is to trust God alone. I know that probably sounds, um, you know, like just a common statement you hear in church all the time. I know, Shane, trust God. We trust God. But to trust God alone means to rely on him and him alone. I want you to imagine for a moment that in your heart, in my heart, there's a throne. And like a king would sit on and that throne is going to be occupied by someone, occupied. So it's going to be occupied by myself. Or I can say, God, I realize that I'm not good at doing this. And so I want to put you on the throne of my heart. That is to trust God and to trust him alone. Now, here's the problem. We walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes, I, I just know it would be easier if we could walk by sight and not faith. Amen? Because we're told, hey, walk by faith. We trust God. God will provide. God will protect. God will deliver. And all of this, we're walking by faith. We walk by faith. Yay, God. But how many of you know we get excited when we see the stimmy check hit the bank account, right? Right in front of us. We get, we get excited there. Maybe we have a little more hope there. And that, to me, demonstrates that we're not trusting God with all of our heart, but we trust other circumstances. And so if we want to choose wisely, we need to learn to trust God with all of our hearts. We need to learn to trust him above anyone else. You know, some of the scriptures say some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Why? Because he's demonstrated over and over and over again that he's capable and his ways are always better, right? So trust God alone. We walk by faith, not sight. So if we want to trust him, we're going to need some wisdom. And wisdom comes from God. In fact, let me read a passage in James. It says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He's generous, isn't he? Ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Why? He says, do not waver for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything they do. He says, if you need wisdom, ask. But make sure that when you're asking, you're trusting in God 
alone. And so we ask him for wisdom. You know, there's other scriptures in the New Testament that says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. Isn't it cool to know that we have a God that created it all and sustains it all that says, hey, you can come to me and you can ask. And so if we want to make wise choices because choices have consequences, we should choose wisely. We need to trust God. And by trusting God, it's like, God, what do you want me to do? I'm asking you for a direction. And how many know he speaks to us through his word? Another thing that is absolutely um, important in today's culture is, and I think that we overlook sometimes, is there is um, security, there's safety, there's a lot of wisdom in a multitude of counselors. What does the Bible say? It says, in the multitude of counsel, there's safety. So when we're making a decision and when we're kind of in a, in a spot where we're having to choose one thing over another, there's wisdom in going to other brothers and sisters in Christ and saying, hey, here's what I'm up against and I, I just can't see the forest for the trees. I don't know what I should do. What do you think? And here's what I know, that you may talk to 10 different people and you may get 10 different approaches but you'll hit the same thread of truth throughout all that counsel if they're truly walking with God and seeking godly counsel as well. Amen? So, so I'd say ask God, trust him alone, seek godly counsel will help you to choose wisely when you're making those choices. Some of us have gotten in trouble because we skipped that step. We think that we know better than God. Uh, does anybody else struggle with that? Well, you know, the world around me says to do it this way and I'm going to try it. Then we get the world's results. And so I'm just telling you there's a lot of wisdom in going to God and asking him to trust him, to walk by faith, not by sight. Here's the other good news is one day we're not going to walk by faith anymore. We'll be with him at home in glory, and we'll see him as he sees us. We'll know him as he knows us. That's pretty cool, right? But for right now, we have to walk by faith and not by sight. So secondly, I think if you want to make wise choices, is I would say this. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. Now, what do I mean by that? I think God still has a plan for each one of us. He told Jeremiah, I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. And that was a specific promise to them, but I just believe that God still has a specific uh, plan for each one of our lives as well, amen? And if it's true that God has a plan for us, then how I many you know God knows what's best? And so as we're walking this thing called life, we have these choices we can choose to settle for something that's less than God's best, or we can choose to say, God, I want you and you alone in this decision, and if, if, if the choice that I'm going to make is going to draw me away in my devotion, my fellowship, my, my, my church gathering, relationally for my family, then that's not your best. And God, I don't want that. You see people that get involved in jobs or careers, and they see they start to become jaded, and they're, they're not walking the way they once walked, and, and you see it's kind of doing them more harm than good. This is what I'm talking about when I say don't accept anything less than God's best for your life. There was a season when I wanted to go to Nashville. I thought I had it, man. I was going to be the next Garth Brooks, and you know, I recorded some songs, had them on the radio. I was hot stuff in southwest Oklahoma on an AM channel. It was all that. But I remember thinking, you know what, I want to go to Nashville, but to go to Nashville, some of the gigs that I had to be in were not in good environments for me. Some people can do it. I know that I probably couldn't have. And I can stand here today and tell you I probably would not be married today had I gone on that journey. And for me, it was a choice that I had to make. God, is this your best for me? Oh, it's a dream. It's something I want to do. But I saw the danger in taking that choice. And I said, God, I don't want to accept anything less than your best for me. And so I took a break from that and pursued ministry and guess what still got to strum a guitar and sing a few songs along the way 
But I would say don't settle for anything less than God's best. Young people, you want to get married. Friends around you are getting married. You're like, man, I need to get married. And so the first person that rings your phone or dials you up on social media, you're like, woo, that must be it. But if that person is not God's choice, my, my counsel to you is don't accept anything less than God's best for your life. Do you get that? All right, so God still has a plan. I'd say don't settle for substitutes in relationships, business, school, and all that. And I think the one that we struggle with probably the most, and I see it in the text here um, in, in second, First Samuel chapter 8, is this. Wait on God's timing. Does anybody else struggle with waiting on God's timing? Well, I know I do. I put both hands up on that one. Sometimes we feel like God's always late according to our standards. I mean, we got our timelines, our deadlines, our wishes, and we're like, God, I need you to do this. I need you to do it now. And when it doesn't happen now, and God was late. But can I just tell you, God's never late. He's always just right on time according to his calendar and according to his standards, right? And so what gets us into trouble from time to time is when we start rushing God's plan. We're like, God, I know that you got some good stuff for me, but I'm just going to jump out ahead of you, and I'm going to, you're not moving fast enough for me, so let me help you out a little bit. How many of you know we've wrecked a lot of lives trying to help God out? Israel has given us that. I mean, you go back to Abraham and Sarah. Abraham is 99 years old, almost 100, when he's approached by an angel. He says, hey, by the way, Abraham, you're going to have a son. <laughs> really? You know what I mean? 99. <laughs> Sarah's 90. 90. The womb is like shriveled up and dried in her mind. And God says, I'm going to give you a son and I'm going to bless the world through that son. And what happens? You know the story. Impatience. Doesn't look like it's happening. Boy, the clock's ticking. Abraham, you better get busy. So here's Hagar. And he has a child through Hagar, Ishmael. And we've been dealing with that mess ever since. Sometimes our impatience can cause us to make some really bad choices. Another one that I just thinking about this morning is Children of Israel on the Mount Sinai, excuse me, Moses on Mount Sinai is getting the commands from God. I mean, think about this. God is going to speak. He's going to give us commands. And, and Moses went up there to retrieve them. And they're waiting and they're waiting. And Moses is not returning soon enough. And in their haste and their um, lack of patience, they go to Aaron, Moses' brother. And they're like, hey, Moses is probably dead up on the mountain. So would you just make us a, a, an image that we could worship? And we had that whole golden calf incident. Sometimes... We can be impatient, and our impatience or our lack of waiting on God's perfect timing can cause us a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Amen, preacher, preach it. We can stop right there, right? The point is, is there's choices to our consequences, so we should choose very wisely. And to choose wisely, we need to trust God, to walk by faith, to ask him to seek that godly counsel. Hey, there's something that came up in my life, and I just really need somebody to speak wisdom and, and, and you know, just direction into my life. Don't settle for anything less than God's best. I wonder sometimes if we, we do that and then we reap the consequences of that. I said in the first service, and I want you to hear me saying this, sometimes we do that in marriage. And we just jump into that relationship and we commit in marriage and we find out later, wow, I'm just paying for this and there's some things going wrong. Let me tell you what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you need to get out of that. The Bible says, you know, when we do the, the vows, we say for better, for worse. That's what that means. And so you get in that relationship and you realize, all right, God, how can you use me now in this choice to turn things around? And the Bible says that by your godly living and by your testimony, maybe you could turn your spouse around or you could win them over. So sometimes those consequences from the choices we make, some of those choices, you just, you don't, you don't turn around from those, but you learn from them and you go forward. Here's the good news. God's a merciful God and he can use those 
mistakes. He can use those moments when we slip up, and he can rework those and do some really great things through those. Amen? Isn't that cool? You know, we mess it up, and we bring our broken lives to God and go, God, I know, you know, <laughs> you say choices have consequences, and I made these choices, and my life is a wreck right now. And God goes, mm, mm, mm. I, I, can, I can use that. I can fix that. I can turn that around. That's the God that we serve. That's the good news, right? But how much pain would we avoid or frustration if we could just get this on the front end and say, hey, listen, I realize that in this life, there's going to be a lot of choices before me. Someone has said your life is the sum total of the choices that you make. And then there's a lot of truth to that. I don't think it's all, all that only because there's some things. We live in a fallen, broken world, and some things happen that we have no control over. But I think that we can all admit that there's a lot of truth to that, that the, the choices that we make, our life is the sum total of those choices. And so if it's true that uh, God is a, a God that gives us a free will and we can choose to do things, but there are consequences for those choices, then you and I could, could man, we could live just a lot happier and more joyful life if we would just stop before we make those choices and choose wisely. That's what I'm talking about. And I think parents could probably in the room say, yeah, I need to make sure my kids get that, Right? Listen, honey, I just want you to know, choices have consequences. Choose wisely. Son, listen, I know, but choices have consequences. Choose wisely. Some of us need to go to the mirror and look in the mirror and go, choices have consequences. Choose wisely. Knowing that God is a good God and he can take the broken things. And we see that demonstrated throughout scripture as well, that God is a, a God who could turn things around. And so, as I said, if you don't get anything else, I want you to know this, that choices have consequences. And so as we're walking this thing called life, we can choose to do it God's way and get God's results. We can choose to do it our way and get our results. In the, in the case with the Israelites, they said, hey, listen, we've, we've been walking with God. God's demonstrated himself so faithfully, so powerfully over all these years. And all of a sudden they said, hey, we want a king now. You're talking about a downgrade, right? We want a, we want a fallible, imperfect king to lead us into battle. whoop de doo I thought it was cooler when they were a, a peculiar people. When, when they were not like all the other nations, when God said, I'll be with you, and, and his demonstration of power and might was seen by all the enemies, and everybody's like, I don't know what's going on there, but Israel's God's the real true God. Why would you want to abandon that, right? The one true God. And so knowing that sometimes God will give us what we want, so we should be careful what we ask for, and choices have consequences, so we should choose wisely. So let me close with this. Some of us here this morning, some of you that have gathered here this morning have made choices in the past, and you think about it, and you go, yeah, yeah, that's, that's true, Shane. You're preaching to the choir. And now I'm living with those choices, and here's the, or those consequences. And the good news is I said God is able to take those things and turn them around, He's able to use those things to grow us. And so my counsel would be, let's learn from it, right? And let's give God glory. He's like, God, you know, I did this, and look what you did with it as a result. Man, all glory to God. All glory in God. And I would say, turn over the throne in your heart to God. To get to the point where you say, God, I, you know what? I, I'm just an idiot. I don't have it all figured out. And if it's up to me to make the choices all the time, I'm going to consistently make the wrong choice. And so, Lord, I need you to be my Lord. I, not just my Savior, but my Lord, my ruler authority in my life, in my heart, on the throne. How do you want me to proceed? How do you want me to, 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 which turn do you want me to take? What choice do you want me to make? I want to trust you and you alone. Maybe today it's, it's that for you. You say, God, I just want to, I want to recommit myself to you and say, God, here I am, and I want you to see, sit on the throne of my heart. Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your faith in God. You never trusted him for salvation. I want you to know that's also a choice. And here's what I know, that God in his, in his love toward you, he loves us so much that he will let us choose to reject him. 
He loves us so much that he will let us say, nope, I don't want anything you got to offer God. And he will let us spend an eternity separated from him in a place called hell. Yeah, I know that's not a, a word that we hear much anymore, but it's a reality. But he loves us so much that he's willing to let us make that choice. But the good news is he doesn't want us to make that choice. He's willing that none should perish. And so he throws out the lifeline. And he says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's beautiful, isn't it? And so he sets before us a choice, a choice of life and death. And the, and, the, and the choice there, the consequences of that choice are real and they are eternal. So if you're here today and you've never placed your faith in Christ, I just want to share with you, man, that's the most important decision, choice that you will make. And the consequences of that choice are out of this world epic. Amen. And so I don't know about you, but when I read these things and I read these stories and you know, we, we read these narratives and thinking, man, those guys are boneheads, right? But the reality is sometimes we fall into the same trap. And I think their stories are there as lessons to you and me. And this is a truth that was real then. And it's a truth that is still as relevant today. That choices have consequences. And so we should choose wisely. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for... Lord, your wisdom, I thank you for your love and your mercy. God, I know that if it were up to us alone, we would be in big, big trouble. But God, I thank you that you made a way for us to walk. Lord, not perfect, but in a way that is honorable to you. And you give us, Lord, the ability to choose to yield to you. So God, I want to start with just that, that throne in our hearts. Lord, I know that we all can tend to try to take over and take control. We want to be the king of our own kingdom Lord, help us to realize that, uh, Lord, we're not really qualified for that, nor are we any good at it. So I pray that today, for some, it might be an opportunity to just relinquish control there and let you uh, sit on the throne of their heart. You and you alone. There's no room for anyone else. But they would trust you today, Lord, and trust you alone. Lord, that we would just be bold enough to ask you, Lord, I've got a job in front of me, or I've got a, a, a relationship that's ahead of me, or a move. Lord, that we would just be bold enough to say, God, what do you want me to do? Because I believe that you're involved in every area of our life, it will ask. So God, give us the, the courage to ask you. Give us the courage to, to reach out and, and seek godly counsel, listening for that common thread of truth that would help us have wisdom to make the decisions that we need to make. Lord, we want to choose wisely. Lord, I thank you that you also have given us your Holy Spirit to guide us in all truth. And so, Father, we want to we choose wisely. We want to live in a way that honors you. So, Father, I pray that you would just help us in our times when we, we select um, something that's not your absolute best for us. When we, uh, we look around and we just uh, choose or make a choice that is not uh, your best for us. And, God, I pray that we can learn from those decisions, that we can grow from those. But also we wouldn't repeat those things, that we could just grow from there and, and live our lives in a way that says, I don't want to accept anything less than your best. And, Father, patience. God, would you please help us to realize that your timing is perfect. We may not see that, we may not feel that, and sometimes we get such a, in such a rush, and when we do that, we jump out there too early, and we cause a lot of problems. And so, Father, would you just forgive us for those times when we just show impatience and help us to just trust in your perfect timing, knowing that if we do those things, God, that we are uh, much better and a much better place at making wise decisions, knowing, Father, the choices that we make are, are eternal and they have consequences. And so, Father, I pray that if there be anyone here today that has not placed their faith in you, that today they would see a crossroads in their life. And Lord, they can choose today life or death. They can choose to trust you or reject you. Lord, knowing that you love them enough to let them make that choice. Father, I pray that they would choose life. I pray that today would be the day 
Lord, the day would be the day that they choose salvation, your life preserver for them. And Father, at the end of all this, we just say, God, you're honored, you're, you're worthy. Lord, we, we acknowledge that you are omniscient. You know all things. You're omnipotent. Lord, we, we don't want to exchange you, one true living God and King, for any other substitute. So Lord, help us to see that today. And Lord, just uh, live the, leave this place today with that in mind, that truth, just uh, burning in our hearts and our minds. Lord, that we would impress that upon our friends and our children and ourselves to know, Lord, that you love us enough that you want to guide us in our lives and so that we would choose wisely as we make these choices in life. Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do. Thank you for redeeming those bad choices. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace and for the hope of one day that we'll be free from the, the presence of sin in your presence. And, Lord, that we will uh, be holy as you're holy. And, Lord, I look forward to that day. And I ask that you be honored in our lives here today as we leave this place. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.